Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. We're going to go with our first guest right now. I'm so honored to have Tony Perkins on, a chairman of the Family Research Council. Tony Perkins' background is quite unique. He's been in law enforcement, been a Marine, been involved in counterterrorism, uh, has been a state legislator, has run for the Senate. And he is uniquely positioned. I, I consider Family Research Council the primo frontline defense for what we're what we're doing, what we stand for. And Tony is uniquely has the unique temperament and the background to make him uh, in the role he's in. We we wanted to present a special award to him at the future conference. He was not able to be there the last minute because of other complications. So I'll be presenting it to him uh, in the next few days when we can connect. But Tony, we. We so appreciate, I know you're riding in a car in the Midwest, you're busy going to a speaking engagement, but thank you for coming on to bring us up to speed on the, what's called the Respect for Marriage Act, which is really the Disrespect and Dishonoring Marriage and Dishonoring God Act, where it passed in the House and 47 Republicans, including my own congressman, voted uh, for that for which God destroyed Sodom. And uh, now it's in the Senate. So, Tony, give us an overview of where we are on this vicious attack on marriage taking place in, uh, in, our, in our capital. Well, thank you, Jim. And I appreciate the, uh, the invite to join you t- today. And uh, I'm not driving. I'm riding in a car. So, uh, so everyone is safe. Um, this, as you said, the Respect Marriage Act, which was pushed after Roe v. Wade, this was something the uh, we, we saw this actually when the leaked document, the leaked brief came out that the left began to go crazy about a number of things because they realized that these um, fictitious rights that had been created by the courts were in jeopardy if, in fact, the court went back to the Constitution, which is what they did in Roe v. Wade. And so they moved to try to solidify or to codify Roe v. Wade into law. They've tried that multiple times, unsuccessful. Uh, and so then they, uh, they pushed this forward, this, um, as you aptly said, Disrespect Marriage Act, which they conflated it saying this was about uh, interracial marriage. It wasn't just about uh, codifying the 2015 Supreme Court decision. To, to some degree, they were correct. It goes beyond the repeal of DOMA. Uh, this goes even further than what the court did. This would allow for uh, marriages beyond just two people being recognized. This could force potentially other states to recognize polygamous relationships in the years ahead. But here's the bottom line, what this will be used as, because we know what's happened in the last seven years since the court redefined marriage, moving away from 5,000 years of human history. It has been a green light to go after and silence and try to cancel uh, individuals and institutions that hold to a biblical definition of not just marriage, but of human sexuality. Now, if you follow the timeline, since that 2015 court decision on marriage, that's when we've begun to battle all of these issues of transgenderism uh, in in this whole radical sexual ideology in the schools. And so if the Congress takes the step of, of solidifying, ratifying, codifying this 2015 uh, court decision in federal statute, 
that is only going to give further incentive for those on the left who want to target, persecute, and silence Christians. I believe this could lead to eventually the tax exemption, uh, which is a minor thing considering all of the other aspects that will follow, uh, but going after Bible preaching churches. Uh, individuals who hold to a biblical definition of marriage could be prohibited from getting jobs. I mean, I think this will unleash unprecedented persecution of Bible-believing Christians in this country. So as you said, 47 Republicans voted for this in the House. Uh, it was brought up very quickly. I've talked to a number of them. Um, uh, some very apologetic. They've been uh, inundated with calls from their constituents back home, which they should. One congressman yesterday who voted for this in Michigan was defeated. And uh, I'm glad to see that. And I'm, I'm thinking others are going to lose uh, their positions as well as a result of this. Now, the key is in the Senate. Uh, I've been working with, uh, and I'm not going to name any senators, uh, but I've been working with a number of senators to put up a, um, a strategic effort to stop this from going any further. Uh, we've explained, and the senators get it, they've been hearing from their House colleagues who have been hearing from their constituents, so they don't want to go down this path. Uh, so they're trying to figure out a way that they can avoid having to vote on this. Um, unfortunately, some are not, some are, but many others are not willing to take a strong, bold stand and say, look, we don't want to do this. They're trying to avoid it, if at all possible. So we've, we've talked to them about the religious uh, liberty issues and how this will lead to attacks on religious freedom and the free exercise of religion. And so the strategy, and this came out in the, uh, in the press, uh, in, in some of the press yesterday, about uh, senators now, Republicans wanting an amendment that would ensure religious protections to be attached to this bill. Now, the thinking is Democrats will never agree to any type of accommodation for religious exercise when it comes to LGBTQ rights. And so uh, the idea is it's gonna be bottled up and it's not gonna move forward. As long as they can't get 10 Republican votes, they're not going to be able to have a vote. I think this is gonna go uh, into the August recess. They're not gonna have time now with Manchin uh, and Schumer working on this reconciliation deal. That's gonna go into the weekend. Uh, and then they're in their August break. We need people, we need to be praying that they hear from their constituents during this August break. And then we, uh, we need to be vigilant, continuing to pray as we go into a lame duck, because that's where I'm most concerned after the November election and they come back for a month, that there will be an effort to push this. And those that are not returning will feel no sense of accountability to the citizens. This is spiritual warfare. I mean, if you see the court changing its mind on abortion for the nation, which is in, you know, in the Greek metanoia means to repent, change your mind, change your ways. <laughs> and so the enemy is, uh, is worked up. And I think that's why we're seeing this pushback now to try to redefine uh, marriage and demoralize uh, the church. We've got to pray, we've got to vote, and we've got to stand for this biblical truth. Now is not the time uh, to become weak on biblical truth in the face of a culture that is becoming increasingly hostile to that truth. Uh, Tony, uh, you, you and I both know, we actually conversed about this before, but that 
part of what triggered this, uh, obviously, is the distraction, but also part of it was probably Supreme Court justices' comment that was made. And so they were going to react to that. And what is ironic is members of Congress, including, I'm told, my own member, uh, claimed that they were concerned that they would not be, that they would address the issue of interracial marriage if they didn't vote for it. So they capitulated on this one. So they didn't want to look like they're voting against interracial marriage. And, and, and how ludicrous that is, given the fact that Justice Thomas and his wife, Jenny, are in interracial marriage. So there wasn't a chance in the world. And, and, and Thomas obviously wouldn't be advocating such. He and Jenny are a black-white marriage. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that was a talking point from the left. And, you know, some Republicans are using that as an excuse. And in part, and, and frankly, what that shows is the fear that they have of man rather than a reverence for God and that they're concerned about what might be said about them by the media, that they would be called, uh, you know, a, a racist, a bigot. Look, I'm going to stand with the word of God. You can call me, uh, you, you can say I'm a phobe of any kind. Um, but the, the, the reality is the only one I fear is God. And that's what we, we need elected leaders who fear only God. They revere him and his truth and fear nothing else. That's part of our problem. We have, this has exposed a lot of weak Republicans who are fearful of, number one, re-election, fearful of the media, rather than being committed to the Constitution and to the truth of God's word. I want to encourage every one of you to contact your member of House of Representatives. If you're in one of the districts of the 47, you can simply Google it and it will, it will show off exactly uh, which ones capitulated and compromised on this. Um, and, and if you're in Democrat districts as well, let them know how disappointed right. you are in this. So Republican or Democrat, we stand on the word of God. The word of God is very clear. Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter two. I do an extensive teaching on this in Hebrew. I won't go into right now. But the word of God makes crystal clear marriage is one man, one woman. So I want to encourage all of you to, to see who voted what way and, uh, and and turn the heat up even on those who voted in the House on this. Uh, Tony, do we need to be contacting our senators as well right now? We do both. Uh, your, your House member needs to hear from you because they usually talk with their senators and they'll know um, the senators are getting that word. And so the more they hear now, I, here's 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 how this stuff works, Jim. And I know you know this, but, you know, once the heat kind of lets off and the, the dust settles, then they'll say, OK, we they, they've forgotten about it. We can move on. We have to have a sustained effort that we are speaking to our members and to our senators about this, that this is unacceptable. We need pastors speaking out. Uh, we need pastors preaching on this. Uh, we need uh, the, the intercessors to put this at the top of their list and continue to pray, because I do believe uh, there could come a moment in, the, in our nation's history where this court could revisit this issue of marriage and this redefinition of the institution of marriage. And if this has been uh, codified in the federal statute, it complicates it and makes it more difficult for the court uh, to, 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 to visit it and to undo what they created. This is no different than Roe v. Wade when it comes to the issue of rights created by the court. And I know some have said, well, this is settled. Uh, you know, we just need to move on. It is not. It is no more settled than Roe v. Wade. 
So contact your member of Congress and then contact your two senators and, uh, and talk about this to your friends. This will be, this will unleash an unprecedented attack on Bible-believing Christians in this country, and it will only further hurt children by putting into federal law a denial of children having a mother or a father. This is, I mean, look, we're, we are on thin ice, I believe, with God when we're going down this path. It's one thing to have the court impose it on you. And I think that's one of the reasons we saw the grace of God on abortion and that it was imposed upon us by the court. Now it's in our hands. And I, I agree with you, uh, Jim, about Kansas. My heart was broken when I saw those numbers this morning because I was just there uh, last weekend preaching and, and uh, in churches and, and doing some events to try to get that amendment adopted. It's now in the hands of the people. And uh, we will, I believe God will hold us accountable for that. And the same is true here on this issue of marriage. In, in California, uh, for 2008, of course, Tony, you worked extensively in this state over Proposition 8. It's still in the California Constitution, Article 1, Section 7.5, those 14 words, only marriage between a man and woman is valid and recognized in the state of California. It, a three a judge appellate panel could have taken it out, but they didn't. It's still there. All we need is a godly governor, a godly attorney general, state of California. I know that sounds like a miracle, but God had part of the Red Sea once he can do it again. And then a Supreme Court that would hear a case and we could see marriage reestablished. I don't want it to take 49 years like Roe, uh, but but that, that's still going to happen. Truth and righteousness has a way of bubbling back up in the course of time. A curious, a curious a question for me. Do you think they would ever uh, get rid of the filibuster over this to push it through? No, I, I don't think they're that committed to it uh, to, to get it done. I mean, they want to give this to their base. Uh, we see how quickly they dropped it to get the reconciliation bill through, which is the Green Deal. Uh, and that, that's a bad piece of legislation that's going to be very costly. But I, I don't think they would go that far. Here's where they're at. We're, they have probably five Republicans. They need 10 Republicans in order to move forward on this. All the, all the Democrats are there. Um, so what we have to do is keep uh, the Republicans in agreement that they will not move forward without what's called an open amendment process. Because right now they want to advance it without letting anybody do any amendments. So the Republicans have to agree, even those who support it, have to agree, look, we're not going to go to this. We're not going to vote for cloture until we get an agreement that amendments are allowed. And again, I don't think Democrats will allow that to happen. So that's really the key strategy right now is to just to keep this thing at basically a, a standoff. Uh, West Virginia, I can't fathom, is in favor of same-sex marriage. And, but we've seen Manchin, who was pro-life at one point, and at one point supporting uh, biblical marriage. Uh, I assume we cannot count on him on this issue, or he'll, capit he'll capitulate no. like he has on anything else? No, I, I, I don't think he would. I don't, I don't see any Democrat uh, in the Senate that would vote, um, would not vote for this bill. As a close-off question, because I know you've got to get on to other things, uh, just a question regarding Kansas and this, this very painful vote. As you know, Tony, it's, it's my home state. Um, and so all the rural counties came through. They, they protect babies in the womb. The cities, Wichita, Topeka, Kansas City, uh, the Kansas side, all the university towns, state university towns, with the exception of Hayes, Kansas, all came through voting for murdering babies in the womb. 
This is shocking given the fact that our nation, our state was formed in 1861 for the purpose of protecting African-Americans, recognizing they were people, should be treated as people. We were born as a free state. And now we come along years later and declare babies in the womb aren't really people, so we're going to slaughter them. Uh, Tony, any thoughts or insights you have before we let you slip off this call regarding the tragic vote in Kansas? Well, as I mentioned, I was there weekend before last in uh, pre preaching in Wichita and Kansas City and doing some other events in Kansas City. I know this, that um, the, the church did begin to unify and, and were, were engaged, but the, the abortion industry funneled millions of dollars into Kansas to affect the outcome of this election. Now, the, the, I've not seen the last numbers, the latest numbers, but it was over $10 million that had been put into the state of Kansas to affect this ballot initiative. Another observation of the numbers I saw this morning, unofficial numbers that I saw, there was about 200,000 more votes in this, on this constitutional amendment than for the governor's primary. They had both governor, Republican and Democrat primaries. You had 200,000 more votes for this amendment. Now that's I don't I don't recall ever seeing that where a ballot initiative, got, which is at the bottom of the ballot, got more votes than the top of the, the ballot, which is the high profile races. Now, I'm not saying there was anything, um, you know, any irregularities or fraud. I'm not I'm not I want to be very clear about that. I'm not saying that what I'm saying is they specifically put money into the state to identify voters and get those voters to the polls or to cast ballots just on this issue. Highly unusual, but 200,000 of them. Um, so it's, I, 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 would be, I would be a little hesitant to say this truly reflects the state of Kansas. I don't think that it does, but I do think it, it does reflect some of the complacency that we see in the church. And we cannot, we can't have anyone being complacent in the church. If we're a follower of Christ, we've got to be engaged. And I think that's really the message going forward for pastors and for churches, that someone's values, someone's quote unquote morality is going to shape the future of our community and the future of our country. And whose will it be? I don't want it to be Planned Parenthood. And those organizations that, as you said, will sacrifice the unborn on the altar of convenience. Um, I want it to be God's values. And the only way that happens is if God's people are engaged. Mario, do you have a question for Tony before we let him go? Can't hear you, Mario. You'll need to unmute. Thank you, Tony, uh, for all that you do on the front lines. Um, were you surprised uh, by the uh, capitulation of the 47 um, Republicans? And um, where are we at? I know you were concerned with the RNC chairman reaching out to the LBGTQ community. Are we still seeing concerns of a weakening of the Republican Party uh, gravitating to engage that community? Great question, Mario. Thank you. Um, number one, the 47, was I surprised? Yes and no, um, somewhat, but actually, I thought it might have been, it could have even been higher. That's only about 22% of the Republicans that voted for that. So um, we, we, we actually have some really strong Republicans. I think it's gonna be stronger after the next election. So 
disappointed, yes, not totally surprised. Um, second question, and I really I appreciate you bringing that up because I know a lot of people were praying and you were involved in reaching out and speaking to the chairwoman of the RNC. I'm actually in Chicago to speak at the summer meeting of the RNC. This is a byproduct of, uh, of you and others and many actually Christians that spoke to the RNC and their engagement and promotion of homosexuality. Uh, you might have noticed, maybe you didn't, and that's a good thing. They didn't say anything in June, this past June. Uh, there was not a peep out of the RNC during the Gay Pride Month. Uh, we've been, I've been engaged in ongoing conversations and meetings with the RNC leadership, and they got the message. And so I'm very encouraged by what I see right now. But again, I go back to what I said a moment ago. We can never be complacent. You know, I used to think when I got uh, first got into the political realm 25 years ago that we just, you know, we fight a battle and then we go back to life as normal. This is our life. This is what we're called to do. In Ephesians 6, we're called to stand. And that is until we are relieved of our duty or we're called home, we are to continue to stand. And so I think that's a part of the challenge we've got to get to the church is that we have to we have to be vigilant for truth and, and, and remain engaged regardless. Excellent. And thank you so much, not only what you do in the political arena, but with pastors. I think that's the front lines. Uh, Tony, you've been on our missions. I just got back from Uruguay, meeting with the president of Uruguay. We had a night to celebrate Israel and then a pastor's conference. By far, I felt the meeting with the pastors was much more important than the meeting with the politicians. And I know you're on all those lines. I so appreciate you and your heart and your heart. Uh, labor. Uh, please let uh, the people know how they can get in touch with you and your ministry. Well, they can find more information at frc.org. And, and I will say we, we launched just about a month and a half ago, actually the 1st of June, June 1st, two months ago, we launched the Washington Stand, which is an online news and commentary from a biblical perspective. We actually hired reporters. We're covering all of th these types of things. And so you can you know, whether it's marriage, life, whatever it is, and you can find that at WashingtonStand.com, WashingtonStand.com. It's another great resource for believers to know what's happening and how to pray. Thank you so much. Uh, back to you, Jim. Uh, I was uh, thinking maybe Rosemary can pray for Tony before he leaves, if that's okay, Jim. Yeah, just uh, one word to you. When, when he says RNC, so everybody knows that's Republican National Committee. That's the Central Committee of uh, that runs the party. And uh, for those who sometimes accuse uh, evangelicals of being in the hip pocket of the Republican Party, we stand with anybody who will stand with biblical righteousness. We stand in opposition to those who don't. And the RNC headquarters has been a consistent source of disappointment to us on this very issue. Uh, and so we, we announced that very clearly. We object strongly to the ways in which some, there are many there in that office, violate scriptural principles. So we're not a part of the Republican Party in any way. We praise God for every Republican Party member will stay close to their party platform, which does affirm uh, many scriptural principles. Tony Perkins, you were key in helping to write that, uh, but many who, who just blatantly violate it. Uh, my own member of Congress was elected in part because of the Republican Party platform, and he knew very clearly that's why he was being uh, supported by many of the pastors in our region here 
and then turned his back on it after he got in. A deep di disappointment to us. But thank you, Tony, so much for being on. Rosemary, would you pray for him before he goes? Yes. Fathers, we're in this transition of, of kingdom history, of world history. We thank you for those leaders who you have called, appointed, even as your firstborn, Lord, as you did Moses, Lord, as you did Joshua. Father, we ask that your presence be upon Anthony Perkins, Tony Perkins at this hour, Father, to enable him to conduct um, uh, your will and decree your purposes, even as Moses did. Let signs and wonders follow his message. We ask, Father, for to put her alongside of him, um, Aaron and hers, those who lift up his arms. And as he goes through this time of, of exodus, Lord, as he brings us out of Egypt, Father, even with the murdering and the sacrifice of, of children, Lord, that we see all around us, we just ask you to um, continue to guide him, give him wisdom, uh, insight, understanding, power, and especially your presence, let it be upon him. So the fear of the Lord would come upon those around about, that they would know, thus saith the Lord. And Father, that people would turn from their wicked ways, repent, and come to salvation in Jesus. We thank you, Father, for even an evangelistic anointing upon him in Jesus' name. Tony, thank you so much for being with us. Blessings on you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you for that prayer. Lord bless you. Bless you. Blessings. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.